0: Good morning. Rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. How are you feeling today? Everybody in a good mood? Well, if you're not yet, you will be by the end of the show. We got some fun stuff to talk about today. Good morning to all of our friends. I'm so grateful to everybody who joins us here live. First thing in the morning, 702 a.m. Central in Jefferson City, Missouri. And we've already got Floby Tenderson, Eric Wilson live. My good buddy, Robbie Thurman. How you doing, Robbie? David Lee is here, Matt Unruh, Drake, Eric Wilson Live, Kermode Bear, Andy Opperman, P Ridge 62. Yo, what's up, peeps? Nice to see you guys. I appreciate you very much. Don't forget to click like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. That like button helps us to get out in the feed and shows Rumble that we are a force to be reckoned with. We're grateful to have all of our audio listeners who listen to the podcast later as well. Don't forget, you can text the show anytime, night or day. Even our podcast listeners who listen to the audio later, you can text the show as well at 573-319-1586. Again, you can text the show anytime, night or day at 573-319-1586 and boy have i got a lot of text messages backed up i didn't check them last night sorry about that guys i had karate last night hope you guys are doing great we've got a great show for you today henry kissinger dies at 100 years old and boy the pile on has already begun the body isn't even cold and everybody is taking a chance to uh well pp on his grave already Uh, I think that his legacy is a little bit more complicated than some people of the hive mind would like to believe. We'll talk about the life and legacy of Henry Kissinger, the good and the bad this morning, and I'll leave it to you to decide whether or not he was a good man, a bad man, or something in between. At 7.30 a.m. this morning, it is Thirsty Thursday, after all. I know you love it. It's the lovely Libertarian Ladies Day. Always a good reason to look forward to Thursday, right? Courtney Neal will be joining us uh, at 7.30 a.m. to talk about the battle between Ron DeSantis and Governor Gavin Newsom of Florida. What? Yes, that's right. The two governors have decided to hold a debate between the two of them. Well, Ron, because DeSantis, because, well, Donald Trump won't actually debate in the primary, and Gavin Newsom because he thinks it's going to set him up to be president of the United States.
1: No! No, God, please. No, no,
0: yeah. no, not cool. No! Uh, we'll talk about that this morning and uh, we will uh, go through it with Courtney Nell. So we get her breakdown on the GOP primary and her thoughts. She is a DeSantis uh, endorser. So that's where she'll be coming from this morning. So we have a pro DeSantis person and we'll have, I think, an anti DeSantis person as well today when Hannah Cox joins me at 830 this morning. Haven't heard from Hannah in a while from basedpolitics.com. And Hannah Cox is going to uh, answer the question, is Ron DeSantis more libertarian or more authoritarian? Because Ron DeSantis stands have been trying to convince me for the last couple of weeks that he is the most libertarian of all of the candidates. I have been told by conservatives that I am not a real libertarian because I like Vivek Ramaswamy the most. And that if I was a real libertarian, I, was supporting, I would be supporting Ron DeSantis. So you know what? Let's hear from Hannah Cox this morning at 830 a.m. Central, and she'll answer that question. Um, all the women's are on the show today. Ha ha! Says Rare Camellia. That's correct. Uh, and Rare Camellia will be on the show as well because CJ always joins us on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8 a.m. Central Time. So I'm introducing my ladies today out of order, but we'll have Courtney Nil at 7:30 a.m. Central. So 30 minutes from now, an hour from now, we'll have Camellia Peterson, and she's going to talk about the Did you see the Chiefs kid? who was accused of cultural appropriation and blackface for wearing black and red face paint and wearing the Native American headdress. Did you see the news that it turns out he's actually Native American? (laughs) I got to tell you, I think I know people are really doomers these days, but I think we're winning. I see so much winning everywhere. I'm getting tired of winning. How about you? Are you getting tired? of? Oh, you're not? Okay, well, good. Well, then we should be glad because you got Javier Malaya in Argentina, you got Geert Wilders in the Netherlands, you got Joe Biden, who's the, the the Republican Party's best friend here in the United States. Donald Trump dominating in the polls in the for the general election for next year. If the election were held today, he'd probably win. Uh, and you got all kinds of victories happening, cultural victories happening. DEI and ESG are being backed off on on corporations around the uh, the country. I see this as an absolute win, win, winning. I'm not tired of it. I'll be honest. I love it. I'm in a great mood. It makes me feel good. The holidays are here. I got so much wonderful stuff going on. The Wake Up America show is kicking ass and taking names. The little, little small business is going good. I'm writing a couple of columns, one, two, three, four columns a month for Human Events Magazine. I'm writing two columns a month for Cliff Maloney's Magazine. I've got all kinds of exciting stuff going on. I got a, a documentary that I'm working on to come out for next year about the Battle of Athens. It's just, I'm so excited. The only thing we can make it better if it's, is if it was Friday, Friday, gonna have fun on Friday. Blue Trike says, he's Native American, question mark? Oh my, that makes the story even more hilarious and stupid, I know, <laughs> but awesome although it really shouldn't matter you're right it really shouldn't matter but it does matter because they accused him of red face and (laughs) and he's uh well what makes a red man red what makes a red man red let's go back to a million years to the very first Indian prince nobody saw Peter Pan from um Walt Disney Mm -hmm. I'm dating myself anyways anyways jack smith sparks maga fury over donald trump twitter move somebody texted into the show um i will have to read that during a commercial break if i get a quick moment i did not see this story yet so i can't report on it i'll have to do my best this morning i appreciate all of our listeners for texting us though at 573-319-1586 that's 573 319 1586. I see Kil is sending me some information as well. We got a lot of text messages today. Jace Linkton as well. That's my f- friend Laura Linkton's husband. She, he's the one that was interested in the conversation we had about Alexander Hamilton with Judge Napolitano last week. He says that he loved my segment with JD. JD, JD Tuchili. Ah, yes. Yesterday I spoke to JD to Chile. Um, Here's what Jace says. He says, the problem is our federal system for over 100 years has been based on the idea of separating policy and the administration, empowering government experts to set policy without worrying about elections. Separating science and state will require huge change. Good point. He says he's a policy agnostic. There's no empirically correct position to find, given enough data and computing power. Bring back real politics. Vivek 2024. Yes, Jace. Appreciate your participation, bud. They've got a really cool podcast as well called Free State, and it's really cool couples podcast where instead of doing the one podcast a week with your wife like I do, they do every show together. And it's really interesting and informing. And I realize that I think Jace LinkedIn is probably at least 10 IQ points ahead of me. So check them out. Free State. It's a podcast. Highly recommend all right, all right, let's move on. I uh, I've, I can't answer all the text messages this morning. There are quite a lot of them. We're going to have to talk about Henry Kissinger, who died at 100 years old. Let's take a listen to, excuse me. I just need at least to hit the mute button. Uh, let's hear from um, a, a eulogy that was written uh, for him before I get into the Wall Street Journal piece, and we'll break this down. This is NBC News's. Um, uh, reporting on the death of Henry Kissinger. And this is a nice little broad overview of his career. Take a listen.
1: Thank you. Nice to see you all.
0: He was brilliant,
1: ambitious, controversial, and one of the most influential secretaries of state in American history. I think we've made further progress. Henry Kissinger served Richard Nixon, Gerald Ford, and was consulted by presidents of both parties on international issues throughout his life. Henry Kissinger has been a friend of mine. Nixon made him a national figure, and together they reimagine U.S. foreign policy, detente with the Soviet Union,
0: relations with China, shuttle diplomacy in the Middle East. Pause. So they called it the China card when uh, Henry Kissinger went to China secretly and held talks about opening up the country and bringing China into the 21st century, as it is. A lot of people think that that was a bad move. Uh, in regards to detente, this is a cooling off of relations of the of the heat between the Soviet Union and the United States. Detente was essentially uh, trying to mediate between the United States and Soviet Russia to try and avoid a nuclear war. Henry Kissinger was involved in that. And when they talk about shuttle diplomacy, the best way that I could describe shuttle diplomacy is literally shuttling back and forth. So it's a diplomatic negotiation technique in which a mediator or a diplomat travels back and forth between two or more conflicting parties to help facilitate communication and reach a resolution. It's like a shuttle moving between different destinations, carrying messages, proposals, or concessions with the goal of achieving a mutually acceptable agreement without the parties having to meet face-to-face in the initial stages of the negotiation to try and resolve international disputes. So that's what shuttle diplomacy is. Kissinger helped
1: shape Nixon's policy in Vietnam and negotiated an end to the war, famously declaring success prematurely just days before the 1972 election. We believe that peace is at hand. He was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. Nothing that has happened to me in public life has moved me more than this award though his co-recipient, North Vietnam's Le Duc Tho, declined the honor. Four years later, President Ford awarded him the Medal of Freedom. He was a master of pragmatic, big-picture diplomacy, but he had his critics, who described him as manipulative and insecure. Some called him a war criminal for his role in bombing Cambodia and widening the war in Vietnam. Born in Germany in 1923, Kissinger's Jewish family fled to America as Hitler rose to power. He became a U.S. citizen, served in World War II, and earned a Ph.D. at Harvard, where he became a professor. He caught the eye of Richard Nixon, who made him National Security Advisor, then Secretary of State, the only person ever to hold both jobs simultaneously. There is no country in the world where it is conceivable that a man of my origin could be standing here next to the president of the United States.
0: That is interesting, too, because it reminds me, that statement there by Henry Kissinger reminds me of a quote by Ronald Reagan when he says that you could move to France and not be a Frenchman, you could move to English and not be, to England and not be an Englishman, you could move to Germany and not be a German, but you can move to the United States. Anyone can move to the United States and be considered an American, which I think is embodied here in what Henry Henry Kissinger is saying, because, of course, he was a German-born person who became an American citizen and then became a close advisor to presidents uh, of the United States, which is a fascinating question, right? That Do you think that something like this could happen anywhere else in the world? Do you think that someone who was born here in the United States, could move to China and become an advisor to, uh, to Xi Jinping? Very unlikely.
1: But their relationship was complicated, and White House tapes reveal that Kissinger sometimes enabled the worst in Nixon. It was a very curious relationship because we were not personally very close. The night before he resigned in disgrace... Nixon asked Kissinger to kneel and pray with him. And of course, it was a touching event. But I think of that evening as an experience with dignity, and of, it was very moving. Kissinger was no faceless bureaucrat. He was a world-renowned celebrity. Here's with Liz Taylor. I loved your Barton actor: And he loved the spotlight. He was even something of a pop culture icon. After leaving government, he opened his own consulting firm, remaining active and sought after for decades. At 95, eulogizing John McCain's life, Kissinger sounded a wistful note about his own. Like most people of my age, I feel a longing for what is lost and cannot be restored. Henry Kissinger was a man of great accomplishment and controversy, but as he once told NBC's Barbara Walters, he had no regrets. If I had to do it over again, I would do again,
0: substantially the same way, which may make me unreconstructed. Uh, I like that word, unreconstructed. That's one of my favorite words. Usually the word unreconstructed uh me they're speaking about the american south so if you're an unreconstructed southerner that means that you haven't bought into the propaganda from the north on the civil war um but i like the idea of unreconstructed in the libertarian sense in that the world is trying to force you into a pigeon trying to pigeonhole you and you uh, are against it uh here's the definition that i just pulled from chat gpt forgive me for having to use ai on the fly Unreconstructed is a term to describe someone or something that refuses to change, adapt, or compromise with new ideas, beliefs, systems, or societal changes. It often applies a rigid adherence to old traditions, values, or practices, even when they may no longer be relevant or widely accepted. Interesting. Historically, of course, the term was notably used during the period of Reconstruction in the United States following the American Civil War unreconstructed referred to individuals or groups especially in the southern states uh, who uh, resisted the changes brought about by the reconstruction efforts including the abolition of slavery and the extension of civil rights to formerly enslaved people of course this is not the way that henry kissinger is describing himself in a broader sense unreconstructed can apply be applied to various contexts where individuals or entities are resistant to change and perhaps hold on to outdated beliefs or practices despite evolving circumstances. so I kind of like that that Kissinger uses that term to describe himself. Maybe one reason why I'm at peace with myself. Lester Holt, NBC News, New York. Maybe one reason that he is at peace with himself. I kind of I find that fascinating, don't you? I'd love to hear your thoughts on Henry Kissinger. You can send us a text at five seven three. 319 1586 That's 573-319-1586 is the text line. You can tell me your thoughts. Please drop them in on the chat as well. If you're just joining us now live on the Wake Up America show, good morning. We're glad to have you here, all 113 of you this morning. It's a nice little crowd. Do me a favor if you haven't already, click that like button and subscribe to the channel if you're joining us for the very first time today so you can come back and join us. Every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time, uh, we stream this show live. It's a great way to start the day and to find out what's going on in the world. One listener is saying they can't post on Rumble today for some reason. Well, I'm sorry. I wish I could do it. One listener today says Kissinger's cover of The Wanderer amused me greatly as a child. Oh, I'm not aware of, of his cover, uh, cover of The Wanderer uh, amused you greatly. Cover of The Wanderer. Oh, Oh, did he sing it? Did he sing The Wanderer? Oh, get out of here. This is The Wanderer by... Oh, the song, huh? The Wanderer by Henry Kissinger. Okay. Well, here you go. Here's the song, The Wanderer by Henry Kissinger. <laughs> Let's hear it, Henry. Oh, well, I'm the type of guy that would never settle down. Where pretty girls
1: are, <laughs> you know that I'm around. I kiss them and hug them, because to me, they're all the same. I hug them. I squeeze them. They don't even know my name. They call me the Wanderer. Oh, yes, the Wanderer. I roam
0: around. To- <laughs> Very funny. Very funny. Thank you to whoever texted that in. Good morning from Austin, Texas, says Maggie, 1874. Good morning, Maggie. Nice to see you here with us today. We're glad to make your acquaintance. Settle down for us. Uh, have a seat and and join our friends. Uh, we appreciate you having a, um, ha- joining us here on the Wake Up America show this morning. Uh, you can text the show today. Anybody can at 573-319-1586. I'd love to hear your thoughts on Henry Kissinger. We're about 10 minutes away from hearing from Courtney Nill, who's going to talk to us about uh, the debate between Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis tonight. We'll look forward to hearing from him. Stephanie, my wife, is here in the chat. Good morning, Stephanie. She says, Wow, he sang too? What did this guy not do? I think that that is a fake, a deep fake, Stephanie. (laughs) Not real. How dare you? So, yeah, I think that was just somebody making a joke. I'm the type of guy who would never settle down where pretty girls are. you know all the time around, because I'm Henry Kissinger. Henry Kissinger. (laughs) Former presidential advisor Henry Kissinger died at 100 years old at his home in Connecticut. He was German-born. He was the only American official to concurrently serve as Secretary of State and the White House's National Security Advisor. It gave him immense power during the Richard Nixon and Gerald Ford presidencies. That helped him end the U.S. war in Vietnam and shape American foreign policy towards the Soviet Union at the height of the Cold War. His diplomatic coups made him a hero to war-weary Americans who feared nuclear Armageddon. But he drew the ire of the American left, which held him res- responsible for brutalities that were committed abroad, and the American right, which regarded him with suspicion for advocating detente with communist regimes. See isn't that fascinating when you are uh, a man of actual consequence, when you are a person who um engages in and this is the the actual term I think he came up with, real politics. um when you do pragmatic politics. You're going to anger everyone, someone on the left, someone on the right. Here's how um, uh, ChatGPT describes real politic, and that's spelled P-O-L-I-T-I-K. It's a political approach to foreign policy that prioritizes practical and realistic considerations, often at the expense of moral or ideological principles. Of course, this is something that would disturb libertarians. Um, It is a pragmatic and often coldly calculated approach to international relations, that focuses on achieving a nation's goals and interests through practical and sometimes ruthless means without being overly constrained by idealistic or ethical concerns fascinating isn't it key principles of real politic include power and self-interest it assumes that nations and uh, act primarily out of self-interest and seek to maximize their power and security and it emphasizes the pursuit of national interests as the primary driver Of foreign policy. Realpolitik also is concerned with a balance of power. It often involves efforts to maintain a balance of power among competing nations to prevent any one country from becoming too dominant. This can involve forming alliances or supporting weaker states to counterbalance stronger ones. And we have certainly seen this uh, quite a bit in terms of uh, in the last 50 to 75 years. It also involves pragmatism. It prioritizes practical, achievable goals over lofty ideals or principles, and it often involves making compromises and alliances with states that might have conflicting values or interests. Real also includes flexibility. It encourages adaptability and the willingness to change alliances or strategies when necessary to advance a nation's history. Also, real politic includes this, non-interference in domestic affairs. It tends to discourage intervention into the eternal affairs of other nations unless it serves a clear strategic purpose. So the term real politic is often associated with 1800s-style European politics and the writings of political theorists like Niccolò uh, Machiavelli and Carl von Clausewitz. But It remains relevant in modern international relations as nations continue to to pursue their interests in a complex global environment. Critics argue that real politic can sometimes lead to morally questionable actions, and I think that is absolutely true, while proponents assert that it reflects the harsh realities of international politics. What do you guys think? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Quest Fanning says, in case anyone didn't see elsewhere, I made the Antifa hit list. I've made the right enemies. No! Oh, no. no! Everybody God! panic.
2: Please, no. No.
0: No. Quest, no! no! did I make the Antifa hit list? I would be curious. If I didn't, I'm actually going to be a little bit, um, I'm gonna, actually going to be a little sad. I was hoping to be on the Antifa hit list. Oh, and also uh, uh, Quest, thank you for the $5 tip, the donation to the Rumble Ranch. We appreciate that very much helping to grow the channel and the show. Thank you very much to everyone who's participating this morning, and don't forget to like and subscribe. All right, it's time for us to talk about Gavin Newsom versus Ron DeSantis. Yes, the time has come. Let's hear from Courtney Mill. She is an endorser of the Ron DeSantis campaign. She's going to talk about his strategic goals, maybe a little real politics when we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Thank you very much for waiting on standby. I'm Austin Peterson. Welcome to the wake up America show. We're glad and grateful to have you here. Click that like button and subscribe to the channel. We appreciate you very much for joining us here. You can always text the show night or day, even if you're listening to us later on the audio version of the podcast at 573-319-1586. Again, the text line is 573-319-1586. All right, let's get the show on the road. California Governor Gavin Newsom is not currently running for president, but that's not stopping him from facing off in a debate on Thursday night tonight with Governor DeSantis, who is waging a 2024 presidential campaign. It's the culmination of a long standing feud between the two men. The debate will air in primetime on the Fox News Channel and give them a platform to appear presidential even though Newsom has sworn again and again that he's just out there trying to help Democrats win the White House for President Biden. Yeah, right. Let's hear from my next guest about that. She is a supporter and endorser of Ron DeSantis, Courtney Nill, and she's joining us live right now as a political analyst. Courtney, nice to have you here today.
3: Good morning, Austin. Thanks so much for having me back on the show.
0: Yep. So give us a little bit of a sneak preview. What do you think we're going to see tonight? Why is it happening? And where is it happening? Just kind of give us the skinny.
3: Yeah, so I am really excited for the debate tonight. Um, it's really cool that we're having governors um, from two very big states um, that are going to be squaring it off, um, you know, polar opposite politics. And I think because Biden, we all know, is not capable of debating, this really might be the closest thing that we get to seeing Republicans and Democrats, you know, really fight it out in a debate, really this whole general election cycle.
0: Yeah, because Donald Trump refusing to debate, it hasn't really given Ron DeSantis the opportunity to test his mettle. He's kind of had to fend off attacks from Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, from a bunch of other people who are polling not even in double digits like he is in the Republican primary. I can imagine that's quite frustrating for him. But what do you think that he needs to do tonight? And what do you think he's going to try to accomplish? What do you think he needs to accomplish tonight?
3: So when I was preparing for this and kind of organizing my thoughts, one of the things that I was thinking about is I don't think that this is a cakewalk of a debate for him. I think he is a good debater, but Gavin Newsom, if you actually look back at some of what he's done in the past, and I mean, I don't normally like listening to Democrats, but, you know, I, I did anyways um, to kind of better understand the situation. And he's very charismatic. And I think that the danger that DeSantis could primarily run into is that he could come off as mean. Um, And I think he definitely needs to, you know, incorporate that humanity, but also have that sensible approach of, hey, we don't want, you know, crime running our cities. We can look at how California is being run. And even though they might be for love and prosperity, as they say, that's just not what we're seeing translated into how their governance is.
0: You see Ron DeSantis is probably going for his Achilles heel. The, The the question of the California governance not only during the COVID-19 pandemic, but the problems of the major cities like San Francisco?
3: I sure hope so. And that's something that I feel like we didn't see quite as much as I expected to in the Republican debates. Um, I believe COVID might have come up a little bit, but really not that much. And with it being such a significant event that's happened since the past election cycle, I think it really matters quite a bit. And I know a lot of the politicians, if they maybe aren't entirely pleased with the response they have, maybe that would be a reason why they would want to shy away from that. Um, But, I mean, Gavin Newsom and DeSantis, you couldn't get, you know, anybody more different with how they handled their states during that. And I think that's probably one of DeSantis's strongest points. Um, There is. There is. Oh,
0: go ahead. Go ahead.
3: Well, compared to who DeSantis has debated with lately, you figure, you know, Nikki Haley, um, Vivek Ramaswamy, who I know you like, um, you know, Chris Christie. You have, you know, these, you know, Republicans, and that's going to be a very different person to interact with than Gavin Newsom. Um, Gavin Newsom. It is interesting. Gavin Newsom and DeSantis actually became governors. Um, they were both 2019 governors coming in. Um, Gavin has been in politics a good bit longer. Um, Looking back to some of his campaign footage, you know, he's had, you know, uh, Gavin Newsom, he'll have like, he's had his like little kids run up on stage and like grab him and are hugging him and stuff on stage. Someone who definitely knows how to use that media, how to tug at heartstrings. And I mean, the best politicians normally are, but uh, that's going to be really interesting to see because I think that DeSantis does have some of that charisma. You know, he does have that young family But I think he also can be a little bit serious sometimes and maybe not have the prosperity message just fully out there. Because I think he is just so worried about the country
0: and the direction that we're going. He does have the riz, as the kids say, uh, Courtney, which (laughs) is a little dangerous because we, we do face the possibility that Ron DeSantis might end up actually enabling Gavin Newsom if he doesn't pull off a debate victory tonight. And I'll, I'll be honest, Courtney, I've been a bit of a of a DeSantis critic in recent weeks. And part of it is that is that I feel as if he feels very awkward out there on the campaign trail. And if Newsom is very uh, charismatic, as you say, he doesn't face the same kind of pressure necessarily as DeSantis does. We do face the possibility, the real possibility of enabling the next Democratic president, do we not?
3: Well, I think one of the things to keep in mind is while they didn't, California nearly recalled uh, Newsom, and that's, you know, his own state constituents. And, you know, across the country, anyone who is even adjacent to being Republican probably really doesn't like Newsom. So I do think that that does benefit DeSantis. While in Florida, um, you even have Democrats, you know, coming out of the works and they're like, well, I'm a Democrat. But, you know, even I have to admit, you know, he did a good job on hurricane response. He's been taking care of us. You know, things are good here
0: good to know. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. We're glad to have you here. Don't forget to click like and subscribe to the channel. We'd love to have you come back and join us here every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm speaking to Courtney Nill. She's a political analyst from Florida and an endorser of the DeSantis campaign. She's giving us a little bit of a sneak preview of the debate that's going to be held on Fox News tonight between Governor Gavin Newsom of California and Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. So, Courtney, why have you decided? You can you sort of describe yourself as a conservative and, and libertarian leaning. Um, why did you decide to endorse Ron DeSantis in the Republican primary? Why was he the best bet in your mind?
3: So, for me, it was really back in 2021 that this decision, you know, was made for me. Um, I spent uh, time during COVID in a couple different states, um, but whenever I was spending time in Florida. Um, I saw how things were being run there. And of course, you know, following with media as well with how different states were handling things. And by far thought that DeSantis handled COVID, you know, couldn't have handled it better when there were riots going on, you know, associated with Black Lives Matter. um, It seems like he took all the appropriate steps. And I know one of your recent criticisms of him um, was that he did shut Florida down. And I I just want to go on the record and say, yes. Yes, it, it did shut down for a little while, and different different things were going on in different cities. There were a lot of local governments that they wanted to do things kind of on their own, and you know they even might not have always have been following with what the governor wanted. But they, he absolutely did do that. But he's also said time and time again since then that you know we shouldn't have shut down the country. He he may admit it that he didn't know everything at the time, and he tried to follow what you know nationally was being said. But he absolutely did, you know, shut down for a little while, came back faster than pretty much any other state. Um, but I think that 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 should be known. But I do trust someone a lot more who admits to those mistakes. And I think that I wouldn't have as much problem with Donald Trump right now. If, you know, he had handled COVID better and if he had admitted that there had been some mistakes, Operation Warp Speed especially is something that, you know, really breaks my heart. As someone who's had, you know, family members, you know, injured by vac- the vaccine, that is something that I, I wish the country never would have had to have experienced.
0: I, I understand that. And I appreciate your honesty there. It does seem as if some DeSantis supporters are, are trying to pretend as if what DeSantis did didn't happen. Uh, But it absolutely did, and I think that that is important because it it does show that Desantis does have some authoritarian impulses, and that we can't always trust politicians. We should always be skeptical of them. Uh, And my concern with Desantis, as people, is just that they seem to want to try and rewrite the the record. You're correct that he was one of the better governors when it came to COVID-19, but that we, as individualists, you as libertarian leaning, me as a full blown libertarian we have to we have to say, hold people accountable for what they did during COVID-19. And I think it's okay even to hold a little bit of grudges about what people did. And, you know, obviously there were states that were much worse. Texas, right, we should have never been handled the way that it was handled. Uh, and a lot of people moved to Florida because of the governance there under Ron DeSantis for that reason, that he was one of the better pandemic state governors. Uh, and I can certainly appreciate that. While also, you know, two things can be true at once, right? We can say well, he should have never shut the state down. He admits that he was wrong, but he did do that. And we should talk about that, have a conversation about that. Um, one of the things, though, that that it has been troubling for me, Courtney, is to see people say is to try and pass the buck from DeSantis's actions in shutting down the state and say, well, he was only doing what Donald Trump told him to do, which I think is a bit problematic because if you're running for president of the United States, it should be hey, listen, I take responsibility for what I did and Trump may have made a mistake. And listen, I'm, you know, I'm not supporting Trump in this primary, but it's I think it's a little bit of a of an artful dodge to say, well, it was Trump telling him to do he only did it because Trump did it. We should hold the politicians accountable for their own actions and not try and pass the buck. Do you agree?
3: I do. And, you know, when it comes to, you know, that specifically, I know that he has spoken a little bit about how there was a large lack of information. Um, Florida does have the one of the largest retirement populations in the country. And, you know, I think now being able to look in retrospect, oh, my gosh, shutting, you know, shutting the country down. This was a terrible thing. And at the time, a lot of people were really scared, though. And if there really was, you know, a new black plague, you know, thankfully that's not what COVID was, but had it actually killed, you know, 30, 40% of the population, you know, I think now that we've been through that, we probably have a different way that we would, you know, think that things should be handled. Um, And so I think he probably definitely did not have enough information at the time, since you're only hearing little bits and pieces of things. There hadn't been a lot of research done. Because I don't think you would also, as a governor, wanna be on the other side of things that you didn't take enough safety precautions with something. Um, but at the same time, you and I both know that we do not, we cannot let this the country fall into authoritarianism. That is never something that we want to see. I and why- I, I would I invite think- you,
0: Courtney, I would invite you to consider this, to, to, to possibly mediate your views on this, even a little bit more towards liberty on this one, when you say, you know, if it was, even if it was the Black Plague, and consider that, you know, while I, I don't consider myself an absolutist on many things, um, there are certain rights that I think the, the government cannot take away because those, not, I mean, if it is a right, if it is actually right, then that means that the government cannot take it away without due process. And of course, what DeSantis did was not due process, right? It was an executive order. It wasn't even, you know, something that had gone through the legislature. But even if it was the Black Death, the Founding Fathers never instituted any kind of a clause in the Constitution that these rights can be taken away if there is a terrible plague. And invite you to consider that even during the American Revolutionary War, when there was a smallpox plague that was going on, and I think that the mortality rate of the smallpox at that time was something like 30%. Whereas with COVID-19, it was something like 0.15 or something like that, something extremely low. So I invite you to consider that even if it were the Black Plague, that the government should not be able to take away rights without due process. And even then, probably not still. But that's OK. I'd like to, to move on. Um, Cordy, I know I've got you for maybe about a, another minute or two. To, what do you think is the best case scenario tonight with the Ron DeSantis, Gavin Newsom debate? What do you think is the best possible outcome?
3: So in thinking about this, um, and I would mention this a little bit earlier, you know, this is going to be a very different kind of opponent. So back in 2018, um, when he was running for governor, when uh, DeSantis was running for governor, um, he had to debate with the liberal um, mayor of Tallahassee, um, Andrew Gillum. And I think that you could compare this debate much more to that one. Um, It's coming from someone who really doesn't have a great record, but does speak well. Um, and is, you know, at least, you know, somewhat well received by at least some people. And so that's where you're going to, you know, see them battling things out here. I really do hope um, that, you know, they actually talk about the decisions that they've made. I think that Gavin is going to lean the direction of, you know, we love everyone. We're just trying to do our best. You know, we we are love and compassion. He'll probably try to bring up things in Florida, you know, with banning books. And I think that DeSantis is going to be able to refute that really well. I think we can all agree that pornographic material shouldn't be in elementary schools. So I think that the average American, I think, really will appeal to DeSantis. And I think he's going to do well tonight.
0: You know, Courtney, is there anything else that you think people should know uh, or anything that you'd like to plug before we let you go?
3: Um, you guys should b- go buy some Masa chips. Uh, they didn't ask me to say that, but, uh, they do have a flavor that I believe launching tomorrow.
0: What are massive um, chips?
3: Yeah, it's, um, they are beef tallow chips. I almost grabbed a bag to throw them in the background. I'm like, that's going to be too obnoxious. I'm not going to do that. No, no that's
0: fine. <laughs> Next time do it. We're all, we're, we're total shills here on the show this morning. I got my, I've got my founding flavors coffee sitting up right here on the desk. So we're totally we love it. People. I do have
3: my behind me, but oh, okay.
0: So, so massive chips are beef tallow chips. Is this something you sell?
3: um so i'm not the um specific seller of them i am one of their affiliates Um, it's a company that i've seen kind of start from the bottom up but yep they fry all of their um corn chips in beef tallow very clean ingredients and Mm. i try not to eat all that soybean you know (laughs) oil garbage and all that i would love in the future if you ever want to do anything about you know health nutrition Um, that's, that's actually what I have my, one of my uh, degrees in. So,
0: oh, wow. Yeah, for sure. Courtney, I did not know that. Well, definitely. We'd love to take advantage of your expertise on that. We talk about food and nutrition and health and, and all that stuff on the show quite frequently. So we'll definitely have you back for that. Um, Where can people get Massa chips, Courtney?
3: Um, I will post a link on Twitter. I believe it's, I think it's, I think it's Massa. Well, Massa, if you, if you Google Massa chips, it should be the very first thing that pops up. Um, but I can also post a link later on.
0: Okay, you do that, Courtney. Join us over at rumble.com slash AP for Liberty and that live chat because that's where a lot of our friends are right now joining us live. Uh, Courtney Nill, she's from Florida. She's a political analyst and she is joining us here live on the show. We appreciate you very much, Courtney. Thanks for your time today and we appreciate you defending your principles here on the show, getting up early and being so generous with your time. Have a wonderful day.
3: Thanks so much for having me on.
0: Thank you very much. That's Neil, what'd you guys think? I thought she did a great job. Send us a text at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. See, we can disagree without being disagreeable. I think that that was a really good conversation. Come on, let's give it up. Drummer boys, where's your rooster? It's right here, drummer boy. Whenever I'm in the little tiny uh, box that I have for like, you know, Twitter, like videos and different things like that, you can't see the rooster. But for example, when I come back, To my nice widescreen, you can see Mr. Rooster there. Uh, If you enjoy the show this morning, don't forget to click lick. Click lick. Lick the like button. That's what you ought to do. (laughs) Lick that like button. Lick the like button and click subscribe. We appreciate all of our listeners this morning joining us in and texting the show at 573-319-1586. Again, that's 573-319-1586. I even appreciate it when you guys text me stories like this from the National Review, gay, furry hackers breach U.S. Nuclear Research Facility. What the hell?
1: No, God! No, God, please, no! Sieged
0: security, which describes itself as a group of gay, furry hackers recently infiltrated a U.S. Nuclear Research Facility and obtained sensitive personal data. What the hell? The group claimed responsibility for the attack in statements on public forums. Meow, 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 meow," the group wrote. The hackers added that we've successfully gained access to Idaho National Laboratory, and we've accessed hundreds of thousands of user, employee, and citizen data, including full names, dates of birth, addresses, and social security numbers. Congratulations. Idaho National Laboratory spokesperson Lori McNamara confirmed the breach stating that it is being investigated and federal law enforcement is involved. No comment on the meow, 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 meow. This is not a joke. This is America. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him excuse me. We're willing to make a deal with INL if they research creating IRL, in real life, catgirls. We will take down this post, the hackers wrote. A cat girl uh, generally refers to a young, breasted, female-animated character with feline traits like cat ears or tail. This is not a joke, by the way. This is real. Many people ask, why uh, did we breach the INL? Well, the cat girl, uh, uh, fake cat girls, hoping for real cat girls, we are cats. Intricacies such as why do not concern us, the group wrote on social media. The hacking group Sieged Security claims it has hacked NATO twice. And released sensitive documents. NATO confirmed it is facing persistent cyber threats, and has implemented additional cybersecurity measures. Uh, oh my God, bro! Oh, hell no,
1: man!
0: What the I'm f, man? Out of this get your ass on, buddy. Yeah, no, I yeah, uh, don't know what to think about that. Um, Camelia is going to be joining us here in a little less than ten minutes. Are you guys excited? got a couple of funny video clips that i want to play for you but uh they don't necessarily have any relevance to the topic at hand they're just hilarious all right real quick let's just watch this one please forgive me because uh instagram videos don't load pr- very well so i have to like press the audio button while they go here we go take a look at this video sad sad is what daughter versus Mag-a-sun. Uh, OnlyFans daughter versus MAGA Which one did you rather have?
4: OnlyFans daughter.
0: OnlyFans daughter. OnlyFans daughter for sure.
4: I have to go OnlyFans daughter. Just like OnlyFans is kind of bad for women, but like the MAGA son is going to treat them
0: worse. OnlyFans daughter versus MAGA son. What the hell no! is wrong God! with people?
1: No! God, please! No! No! No!
3: no! Uh,
0: which one did you rather have? Uh, yeah
3: only fans, daughter
0: only, fans, daughter. only fans, daughter only fans daughter for sure
3: i have your OnlyFans only fans, daughter Just like only fans is
4: kind of bad for women but like the maga son is going to treat them worse
0: wow they these are people who would rather have their kids be porn stars than be right-leaning republicans sad here's elon musk responding to advertisers trying to blackmail x.com into censorship take a listen there will now be a bad word
4: you know that there's a public perception
2: that and, and you're clarifying this now um but there's a public perception that that was part of a apology tour if you will that this had been said online there was all of the criticism there was advertisers leaving we talked to bob Iger i hope today. they stop you hope uh, don't advertise you don't want
1: them to advertise no what do you mean if somebody's gonna to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go fuck yourself.
5: But I
0: love it, I love it, yes! <laughs> Sorry for the bad language, but it's Elon Musk and he's kicking I ass. You. Oh, you love to see it, you love to see it so beautiful so brilliant i love this god don't we have so much fun here on the wake up america show don't we have so much gd fun i love it one more time but he's gonna be a bad word here we go one There's more somebody time to try to blackmail me with
1: advertising blackmail me with money go fuck yourself mm, mm, mm. love it but the anchor is like Whoa. go fuck yourself is that clear i hope it is hey bob you're in the audience well, well let me
2: ask you then that's how i feel dude don't about, advertise how do you think then about the economics of of x
1: oh dude he cares about the economics of x elon
0: wait a minute hit the button There we go. Elon! Elon! How dare you! Oh, shut up, Greta. We're all having a wonderful time. America. That can be defined as. No, no. Wrong president. I was going to put him. Shut up, Joe Biden. We need a real president in here. It's going
1: to be America first, okay? America first.
0: God bless America. Camelia Peterson is going to come back and talk about the biggest own that we might have had in the entire year. young kid accused of blackface and impersonating Native Americans turns out to be a Native American. <laughs> you can't make it up. We'll be back with more on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Oh, it's going to be good. Good morning. Rise and freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. We're glad to have you here. Click the like button for us, will you please? And subscribe to the channel. Earlier I said you should lick the like button, but please don't do that. Uh, It's very dyshygenic. We would love to have you come back and join us here every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time here on the show. Make some friends, drop a comment. We appreciate rumble.com for all of the support they've given this show. You can support Rumble too. When you interact with us here on this stream, whenever you donate to this show show with a Rumble rant or you become a monthly subscriber, you're not only supporting me you're not only supporting rumble.com you're also supporting free speech in general we'd be grateful to have you come and h- join us here monday through friday and subscribe to the channel all right well our next guest is our tuesday thursday regular it wouldn't be thirsty thursdays without her camelia peterson joining us live on the show missouri and how you doing cj good
2: morning i'm doing well um i was just thinking because i just as i'm looking at myself and the the Zoom video here so there's something that people need to go to your shop and buy. And you posted it here a while back. And I thought it was the earrings, but it was the Christmas ornament. <laughs> I need to get the Christmas ornament. Now. But you can buy these We the People Constitution earrings at the People Delivery Shop. Yeah, I, they're some of my favorites. And I like them because they are, they're uh, made out of a wood material. So you could take like a little bit of perfume or essential oil or whatever you're into and kind of put it on the back of it. And it absorbs it and holds it some. And it doesn't, you know, doesn't make them look bad or anything like
0: that. Anyway, that's cool. No, thanks for the plug. Yeah, you can get those (laughs) exclusively at our shop at AP4LibertyShop.com. And we also have a We the People, a Constitution um, um, Christmas ornament, like she was saying as well. And Camellia, we've got you as an influencer. I think your code rare gets 10% off from the store as well. So, so. So World's worst
2: influencer, but yeah. Yeah, world's worst (laughs) influencer.
0: We'll see about that. Use that yeah. code RARE uh, to get that 10% discount. And uh, Camellia also gets a nice little commission from that as well. Uh, okay, so let's see. Uh, what, first of all, we've got a lot to talk about. Obviously, the big story is the Chiefs kid who turned out to be a real engine brave who was being attacked for culture appropriation. That's the big story. We'll get to it in just a moment. I wanted to get your take, though, your reaction. One, to the story about Elon Musk telling the advertisers to go themselves. I know you're a big Elon Musk fan. So how do you react to that? <laughs>
2: Uh, I, I think it's well. First of all, it's Elon. I mean, you know. <laughs> but second of all, like my favorite things that I have seen said about that are like, uh, there's having money, and then there's having f u money, and Elon Musk has like f u head of Disney money.
0: <laughs> <laughs> literally, he has f u money, literally and metaphorically.
2: So yeah, no, that's that's awesome, and it's just it. I don't know. I think it's fascinating uh, the times we live in where somebody like Elon is willing to do that and making statements like he knows this could uh, put X out of business. And he's it's just he's ready to put it all on the line. I think that's that's awesome. He's calling their bluff, basically.
0: I love it. Brave man, brave man. We certainly need more brave men like that in the world. Um, And speaking of brave men, Henry Kissinger dies at 100. I was kind of surprised that you had some thoughts on it. Um, What are your thoughts?
2: Well, I don't know that I have thoughts necessarily on his character. I've I've read a lot of the things that have gone viral, listening to what you were talking about earlier. Um, interesting stuff. But what first came to mind is things I saw when I logged on last night were of course, you know, all of the the libertarians and people celebrating his death. And this is something we typically see because they're like, oh, they're murderers, you know, and warmongers and things like that. So we celebrate when they die. And I just think it's really unfortunate that we do that in general. Um, Because there are, we've talked about this just recently, you know, our heroes are people who do, um, who do sometimes do bad things, they also do good things and people are messy and it's not always black and white. And I, you know, I don't know that we should be, I think it brings our humanity into question when we start celebrating someone's death. you know, there are people who loved that person, obviously, and we are all imperfect and flawed, some more than others maybe. But anyway, that was really the first thing that came to mind uh, when I thought about that. And I guess, especially when you, we tend to, um, especially as libertarians, we tend to be idealistic. And we want, you know, we want liberty and we want this perfect vision of it. And we don't like to get our hands messy in doing so. And this has actually been brought up to me a few times recently. Um, You know, somebody was talking to me yesterday, honestly, about people who are in the liberty movement, people like you and I who get into politics and we don't go very far because we're not, uh, like we wanna stay above the fray and we wanna stay out of it. We don't wanna get our hands. We wanna remain pure. Right, we don't wanna take the risk of the appearance of compromise, you know, and, and the fact that sometimes you do have to compromise in order to make progress, to move the ball down the field. So anyway, we are all imperfect and we should not be celebrating people's death because, you
0: know. Especially our fellow Americans. Um, but, yeah. in, in, you know, the reason why um, uh, Henry Kissinger's uh, uh, is despised by both left and right is because on the left, it was because uh, they blame him for the bombings of Cambodian Laos during the Vietnam, Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. And then on the right, they claim that he wasn't hard. He didn't bomb them hard enough. They say that he he tried to mediate and have detente with the Soviet Union, and he tried to bring an end to the war. And so the right blames him for the loss of the Vietnam War. So it's kind of like de- people who engage in real politics, people who actually have power and who try and uh, accomplish something for their nation, which is what real politic was, as I was describing, uh, you know, a hard nosed, you know, lack of uh, of ideology view of foreign policy. Though you're going to make enemies no matter what it is that you do, but I, I'd be curious to to move. I want to move on to the next subject because I was just delighting at this at this point. It was it wasn't delighting in anyone's death, but I was delighting in the the left the backlash for this the story about the young chief's kid who was being called <laughs> onto the mats for being a cultural appropriator. What's the latest twist in this story?
2: Oh, well, you know. I just talk about just desserts, whatever this came out, that this this boy who is at the Chief's game with the the you know the half black and the half red on his face. and this reporter with Deadspin Spin is calling him, you know, racist and that he's saying he's wearing black face. And, you know, he's at a Chiefs game and he's in the full, you know, um headgear regalia and everything. And so lo and behold, He's American Indian. Wow. And his grandfather even sits on the board of a of a tribe in California. I mean, if anybody has a right to do that, I mean, he's not a he's not appropriating anybody's culture.
0: Well, <laughs> he's wait a minute. Now, half culture. of his face was black and half of his face was red. So technically, only the red part of his face would be allowed. But then, isn't it offensive <laughs> to have red face? But then it's is it okay if you're red? So you're not culturally appropriating. And you know what was funny too? I don't know if you read this in the story, but his headdress is real.
2: Mm-hmm. I, yeah, it looked. I mean, it looked real. It I, is it was real. Awesome. I mean,
0: it's, right. it's, it's it's his family's like native headdress.
2: I mean that I and mean, that is so cool, right? I, it's Just like you know, what twelve year old kid gets to wear. Something like
0: that to a Chiefs game—that's amazing. No, no kidding, no kidding. I mean, and I talked about this story a couple of days ago before we found out that the kid was actually Native American. And I loved—I think it was either the Babylon Bee or maybe it was Breitbart, but whoever had this headline, um, the, it was the—I think it was Babylon Bee—says kid apologizes for appropriating Elizabeth Warren and Justin <laughs> Trudeau face. <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, I just, you know, we we have just gotten to such a culture of extremes and to, to make news or to make a name for yourself, you've got to say the most outrageous thing out there. And so people do stupid things like this in order to try to get those clicks and talk about ethical, compromising yourself ethically, going after a 12-year-old kid for starters. And uh, it just is this it's this mindset we've gotten into, that I think is just terrible. And I would like to say it's just on the left, but it's not. Um, it, I was having a conversation with a friend of ours yesterday and we were talking about kind of the state of politics and how it's so hard to get things done and to find good people to put in the legislature and things like that. And I said, I think, you know, having worked with a lot in grassroots, on the right, what I see so much of is like, people are just, they're just angry. You've seen this stuff in with the the DeSantis Trump, business going on it's like nobody's arguing their positions and their principles they're just angry and that's all there is to it and when i said that he said because he works with a lot of people on the left as well he said it's not just the right he said it's the left too he was like it's the extremes on either side everybody's just angry he kind of attributed a lot to social media i mean like you can have a bad date you can get on social media and you know venture spleen and and call people whatever you wanna call them and there's no accountability for it. I know we've talked about that some too, but I think it's, so I think for us that there's this challenge in seeing things like this um, and how people respond to it and what we do as a culture and as humans with technology, and will we, <laughs> will we rise to the challenge and be better?
0: <laughs> well, uh... So one of the things that I'd like to discuss with you about this is the psychology of the cultural appropriation police because yeah. what you what is so fascinating is that yes you know you've got the left being hypocritical when it comes to cultural appropriation right Justin Trudeau wore blackface right um and Elizabeth Warren pretended to be a native american right and they do so in order to gain victimhood status but it's it's such a fascinating psychology because they accuse right-wingers of cultural appropriation and try and lambast them and attack them. But really, they are the ones who are fascinated with uh, minority culture and who, like, they, they desperately desire to be something other than white. Right. They have this loathing, this self-hatred, right? They feel they have this white guilt that they that they lose sleep out, uh, over uh, at night. They can't stop thinking they want to be black. They Like Rachel all pretending That's to be I, black. Yes. You know, another fascinating example of this. But then they attack any right winger who might show some sign of cultural appropriation. If I wear a kimono, right, uh, that I picked up from Japan, I'm a cultural. I, I mean, there were people who were like, I think when I was in Japan posting pictures of me like, you know, dressed up like a Japanese person and eating, you know, ramen soup or something like that. Some leftist on my timeline was like, this is cultural appropriation. And it's uh, (laughs) it's like, but you probably know it was that they're jealous. They're probably a weeb. They wish that they could go to Japan. They wish that they could be Japanese. What is that psychology? You know, that they attack people for doing something that they desperately want to do. What is that?
2: Well, as you're right, it's self-loathing. But whatever happened to imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it just is like when people do things, it's because they find them they they find them interesting and neat. It's not necessarily because they're mocking it. Um, but yeah, that is I think there is this self-loathing that goes on so many times on the on the left where you have to it's like, do you remember those? those dinner parties that they would have where you could pay $500 as a, as a woman to go to this dinner party so that you could hear about all about how racist you were and how you were born that way. And you needed to work to overcome that. And like, what is that? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I think it's this, I think it's this mass psychosis that we've seen uh, coming up in our culture where there's just, um, you have to find a way to be somehow this moral superiority. It's virtue signaling, right? It's a way to, to make yourself feel better. And so self-flagellation has become one of those ways to make yourself, you know, appear more virtuous, um, more pious.
0: Do you, but do you think that this is a form of brainwashing that the left has has undergone, that they've been indoctrinated into thinking like this? Or is there something deeper? Is there something more base? Like, uh, like, because self-flagellation is not just the purview of the left. I mean, that term flagellation no. is, a, I think, it comes from the the Catholic Church, actually. So, right. I mean, so there there is some desire that we humans have this base desire to purge ourselves of being unclean, finding finding a um, uncleanliness within ourselves and purging it through a painful process of expur- expurgation. You know what I mean?
2: Maybe. Uh, I think that's really complicated to say human nature. I think for most people is to avoid uh, finding those uh, those parts of us that we actually do need to improve, which is why this is really a false version of that. I mean, the thing that we should be doing is we should be doing a lot of introspection and self-examination all of the time and looking at how can I be a better human? Right. What can I do to better myself and be a better person? But that's not what that's doing. I mean, that is that is not doing something to make yourself a better person. That is um, self-flagellation in wanting to show other people that you're trying to be a better person. It's really not about what you are becoming. It's about what you, it's, it's performance. It's what you want other people to think of you.
0: Great POV from Camelia Peterson, who's joining us live right now here on the Wake Up America show. I'm Austin Peterson. We're not related because we spell our last names differently. We are good friends, though, and she joins us here on the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 8 a.m. Central Time. So set your calendar appointments if you like Camellia so you can hear her POVs twice a week here on the Wake Up America show. And of course, don't forget to lick like and subscribe to the (laughs) channel. We appreciate all of our viewers if they join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. Hey, can I get your thoughts on the whole Gavin Newsom, Ron DeSantis debate? Uh, that's happening tonight. Camellia, what do you think about that?
2: I think your assessment has been accurate. Uh, The, I mean, the thing is, is if Ron DeSantis was a good debater, it would make sense maybe for him to debate Gavin Newsom, but it is, he's not. I mean, he just, he just isn't. That's not his forte. And it is Gavin Newsom's, I think, because The thing is you know we talk to people about the election and they talk about who's going to be the nominee on the democrat side and everybody assumes right now that it's it's joe biden but really what a lot of people are also kind of saying but you know really it's probably not going to be and they're afraid it's going to be gavin newsom because the fear is that if it's gavin newsom we lose no matter what you heard courtney
0: you heard courtney earlier today she was like he was very articulate and well-spoken. I was yes. like, Oh no. And if she's one of us, just think about the ladies out there who aren't like us or who lean left. We are in trouble.
2: I white suburban women, man. I mean, Dude. like they're going to love him. And the thing is, is like, do you remember that video that, you know, ever, all of our people were like making fun of an ho cringe when he was over in China and he was playing yeah. the basketball game on the court. Fell, So like whatever. Yeah. I was like, that's like that is appealing. Like that's you people are in your own bubble here because nobody finds that cringe or things or is mocking that. Like it makes him it humanizes him and it makes him relatable. I mean, that's that's like dad vibes right there. That's mm. anyway. So yeah, I think we're I think we're in trouble if Newsom actually does right. But I will say that, you know, I don't a lot of people say, oh, I'm not gonna watch that. I am interested in watching it um just because I want to see um I don't know that I've ever watched Newsom in a setting like that, and I wouldn't mind seeing how he performs on the stage.
0: Well, I'm actually I'm dreading this tonight because you're right. Ron DeSantis has really not proven himself in debates. I think that uh, the reason why he is lagging is largely because his appearances in the debate have been lackluster. Do do you think does the lady protest too much when it comes to my complaints about Ron DeSantis and his supporters in the last few weeks? Because... (laughs) I certainly I feel as if I've kicked the hornet's nest, not that that's out of character for me or anything, but it does seem to me as if there's a willful denial of reality from the DeSantis camp. Is that incorrect?
2: I don't think that's incorrect. And I would say you probably haven't just kicked the hornet's nest. You've sort of like uh, knocked it down and stomped on the ground on it several times.
0: And lit it on fire <laughs> and doused drows- it in kerosene and lit it on fire.
2: Right, no, but I mean, I think it like 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 we talked about before. It is a defensiveness, and I I think that they do understand. I mean, everybody wants their candidate to do well, so we see them through these rose-colored glasses, mm-hmm. and you want to find all of the positive things about it. And you know, what else can you do? That's that's kind of your job as a as a supporter of somebody who's you know of a campaign. And but the thing is, is I think to what you mentioned before, to get to the point where you are actually denying facts and reality in your efforts to do that, there is nothing wrong with saying that people like everybody was in a mess at the very beginning of COVID. We didn't know what we were dealing with. We were all kind of freaked out, to be honest. I mean, you know, and nobody knew what to do. So there was this confusion at the beginning and people made mistakes and they overreacted and they did things that were wrong. People who would normally otherwise, you know, be very liberty minded. But they corrected as they went along, and I, I think it's okay to say those things. and I honestly, I know people don't think this, but I think that that most people respect someone who has the ability to do that, to admit you know their shortcomings and say, "Look, this is what I learned from it." You just and you don't see that enough, and i don't I don't understand that. I mean, maybe I'm just weird, but I respect someone a whole lot more if they are willing to do that.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think that the problem with the DeSantis campaign is that they're floundering at the moment and they're attacking anything, anybody who's within arm's reach. It do, it's, did you see like the full blown attack that they did on Vivek Ramaswamy yesterday? I mean, I, I looked at the, at the accusations against uh, Vivek and they seem to be fairly serious and things that were, that are troublesome. I, you know, I don't think Vivek is a perfect candidate. But I mean, talk about punching down. It's the second place, the far and second place guy punching down to the far and fourth, possibly even fifth place guy in the primary. That's a that's a bad sign, isn't it?
2: Uh, well, I was going to say, it goes to show you who they feel their biggest threat is.
0: That's not promising. Well, but Vivek has, has shined. Vivek has True. proven himself in the... It took guts to get up and right in the front of the entire Republican Party in the debate and take your time (laughs) to call out the head of the Republican Party who's sitting front and center on the stage and say, you should resign. I'll give you my time to come up here and resign right now. If DeSantis had done something like that, DeSantis supporters would have been like, he's so brave, he's so palsy. But that's what you have to do, isn't it? You have to take you have to have guts. That's why people like Trump, isn't it?
2: Well, I was going to say, yeah, that's why that's why everybody liked Trump is he wasn't afraid to call people out. And I mean, I think the difference is that um, the the big the big issue with Trump is like he didn't just stop at calling people out for their faults and how they they did things, ran the you know, whether it's running the the RNC or whatever. Uh, he also made it you know very personal, which has kind of been part of the issue. You know, we talk about the the Roger Stone thing with calling you know DeSantis' wife and <clears throat> bad names. And the like that's distasteful no matter what. And yes, I realize that politics is dirty. Um, and but the way it has been because of human nature for you know the the beginning of time doesn't mean it's how it should be, doesn't mean it's how it needs to be. And the thing is, is like we, you know, we should not expect that of either party, but you absolutely should be able to call people out on on when they're doing things wrong. And I think Vivek has done that and he's been bold about doing so. But I think he's been doing it in at least a somewhat tasteful way. <laughs> he hasn't been getting like petty and personal with it. And I think that's the defining difference between him and Trump.
0: Good to know. Camelia. anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you go today?
2: Uh, no, I would just say, you know, I learned from experience. So if you uh, rent a car, always look to see if it defaults the seat warmer on because I spent the, the last couple of days, you know, with a hot seat and um, hunting down, <laughs> trying to hunt down where to turn that stupid thing off. Anyway, that's my <laughs> useless piece of advice for you is, you know, find out where the seat warmer is before you start driving.
0: <laughs> Tamilia Peterson, thank you very much for your time today. She joins us here Tuesdays and Thursdays. We appreciate her. Let's give her a round of applause. Thank you, Camelia. We'll see you again a, next Tuesday.
4: Have a great day, everyone. Have a good one. Already reset with the Tartaria and the mud flood, and they yeah. found because, like, if you look at DC, yeah. like all of those monuments, those were right. there. They we didn't right. build them in America. Like they claim we did. When did we build those? We came in the seventies. Yeah. you know, America like was who fab- built those giant right. monuments. Right. Where did we get the supplies for that? So who, you who right. built the big ass marble statues of fucking Abe Lincoln? Yeah, the Congress who the con- carved it. The Congress buildings. Who built it? They never say that. They never say, like, oh, the Statue of Liberty.
0: Yeah, they they say France. it was a
4: gift from France. Okay, so, okay. So France carved a giant copper statue, which nobody could probably replicate today. Right. And shipped it over to the U.S.? And for what? That doesn't even make any sense. Why do we sense. deserve <laughs> Oh, what if that was wrong? i'm (laughs) saying like (laughs) i'm saying like what if america has a much longer history than we know and this it's not what we're told that it is oh no yeah by any means i mean yeah it's just weird it's fucking weird um and i and i really think that the key to this uh part of
5: the
1: i think part (laughs)
0: what what the absolute state of the educational system in the united states these two ladies discussing on their podcast how the history of the united states is much longer than uh 200 years uh if you actually listen to that full podcast they think that the united states might be thousands of years old And that Abraham Lincoln statue was carved possibly hundreds and thousands of years ago, maybe hundreds to thousands of years ago. And they they say that the Statue of Liberty would have been carved out of copper. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Levin 214 says the reality, you don't carve copper. Yes, obviously. How dare you? Correct. Live into it for you. Do not carve copper. You do not carve copper. Hey, Will Run Riot. Nice to see you, bud. What's going on? Rare Camellia says, what the hell is this? L-M-A-O. Exactly. And that's why the Wake Up America show is the best show. We just went from an interesting uh, discussion about modern day politics. And then all of a sudden you're saying, what the... It's the Wake Up America show where everything's funny and weird and nothing has to make sense, but we all have a damn good time doing it. Do we not? Do we not? Are you not entertained? The crystals in the foreground explain it all, says Brindle Bear. Exactly, exactly. Good to see you all this morning. Don't forget, if you haven't already, I really need you to do me that favor and click that like button and subscribe to the channel. We'd love to have you come back and join us here every monday through friday from 7 to 9 a.m central time all right it's time for me to talk to hannah cox because i want to know does she think that ron desantis is more authoritarian or is he more libertarian when we get back on the wake up america show, show ooh, pick up pick up wake up america pick up pick up Good morning, rise and freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the wake up America show at wakeupamerica.show.com, show.com and we are live today's the 30th of November Tuesday or excuse me, Thursday. Glad to have you here on the show. Don't forget to click like and subscribe to the channel and come back and join us every Monday through Friday. The wake up America show streams live from seven to 9am central time. We'd be glad to have you come back and join us here. Uh, and enjoy the show. It's a great way to start your day. And of course, grab yourself a box of Founding Flavors Coffee that you can get exclusively at AP4LibertyShop.com. All right. Well, is Ron DeSantis more authoritarian? or libertarian. We heard from the pro DeSantis people a little bit earlier on the show, Courtney Nill. She was joining us here to tell us why she endorses and supports Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida for president of the United States. But my next guest is not so sure. She is the co-founder of basedpolitics.com and she's joining us live on the phone, Hannah Cox. Good morning, Hannah, how are you?
5: Good morning, Austin. Good to be with you.
0: Yeah, thank you for joining us, Hannah. I, I've been on something of a tirade. My friend Camellia accused me of not just kicking the hornet's nest with the DeSantis people, but of also um, dousing it in kerosene and lighting it on fire for the last few weeks. Um, well,
5: it is your style.
0: <laughs> it, it is a little bit, perhaps a little overly confrontational, but uh, but it gets the job done to a certain extent. You have not been the biggest fan of Ron DeSantis, but conservatives are telling me I'm not a real libertarian because I am not on the DeSantis train. What are your thoughts about the guy?
5: Yeah, you know, I think people who support DeSantis can have any number of reasons and claims they might want to make for that support. But to say that he's in any way a libertarian or a limited government person or a supporter of individual rights is where I think major issue. And even to say he's a free market economist, a capitalist, I think is absolutely incorrect. My spidey senses started going off about him during COVID, where he was getting a lot of praise for allegedly not shutting down his state. So I think you have some pushback on that too, Austin. But for uh, the main issue I had at the time was when he started telling private businesses what they could and couldn't require for their employees. You know, no fan of vaccine mandates, spoke out heavily against them when they tried to mandate them from a federal governmental level. So when you go into private businesses, I think private businesses have the right to set any number of requirements for who they want to hire and why. And it could be a silly thing. It could be a serious thing. I don't think the government or the people have any right telling business owners what they should or shouldn't be doing. And so that was my first major qualm with him. And I started to you know pay a little bit more close attention because it seemed clear that he was gaining in prominence. And you know at first, I was still hopeful that he might actually be a more limited government, free market type choice out there because God knows we need one. But what he did after COVID is when things really ramped up. I mean, he has become a total totalitarian, right? He's a tyrant. He loves using the state to go after his enemies. He's used his government to target everything from private businesses like Disney over their free speech um, to signing laws that would essentially give the state power over social media companies and telling them how they must dictate what content goes on their platform. I mean, this is stuff you see in places like China. It's in inex- usable to have a U.S. governor behaving this
0: way. Yeah, I've seen these things as well. And they've given me pause because people love to tout his COVID-19 record. I like to remind them, hey, remember, he did shut the government down via executive order. And there were governors who did a better job under COVID-19 than DeSantis did. Governor Kemp of Georgia, for example, you know, perfect example. Yeah, your governor, he he did a better job. Um, And, you know, people attack Christy Noem because she tried to shut the, the government. She tried to shut them down. But then the legislature said no. And then she backed off and then realized that she shouldn't go above the will of the people, which I think is actually better. But DeSantis decided to do what he thought was right. Take away people's rights via executive order. What's to say he wouldn't do it again as president?
5: I, I think there's nothing to say he wouldn't do it against the president. I think it seems to be his M.O., and not only do I think that it's a violation of principles, I think it shows you have a thoroughly uncreative mind that you're not really cut out to be a leader because if your only answer to problems is big government, then I think you have a losing ideology that's been proven to lose throughout history. It's no different to me if that's on the right or left. Big government is not how we solve our problems. It's not how we get things done. And to me, I just think he seems to be more of a cultural crusader than anything. His, his entire... um existence has really seemed to be driven by what gets clicks online, what feeds the echo chamber. He he seems to try to be, you know, Trump white, but really he's much more authoritarian than Trump in many ways. And I just I don't think it works. You know, I think it played for Twitter. I think we've seen how badly it's failed when he's kind of come out of his little niche of the world and tried to actually enter the national conversation. It's not going over very well. It's not playing the way he thinks it will. And that's because people have to remember that Twitter is not the world. It is a very small portion of society that's on Twitter, things that play on Twitter don't even necessarily play that well on Facebook or on Instagram or on TikTok or any of the larger platforms, much less when you start having conversations with your average American in their day-to-day life. So I, I think that he has had a very problematic record. I have every belief that if he were to have even more power, he would continue to try to stretch the bounds of the authority that he has. And I don't think that's something we want to see elevated. I, you know, Kemp, I think my governor here has has really flown under the radar and has done a tremendous job as governor. He's been far more principled. And, you know, he's a bit to the right of me, certainly on social issues. But I think that's a better example of how somebody who believes in free markets and limited government would actually conduct themselves. And again, I think his record on free speech Austin, is amongst the worst in the country. I really cannot overstate, and I haven't even totally covered all the things he's done that have violated the First Amendment in his state, but everything from curriculum bans to, that have really overstretched um, what teachers could say in the classroom, to trying to shut down certain student organizations for their political beliefs around foreign policy. And again, to the attacks on Disney, which I just think are unprecedented. I can't think of a time in history where we've seen a sitting politician basically attack a company for its free speech. For All they did was speak out against a law he passed and say they didn't like it. And he went after them with the full force of the state trying to stripped them of their authority that they had been given, trying to cut out selective deals versus other companies in the state. It, it really was just wholly unconstitutional about three different grounds. That court case is, of course, still pending. Um, the social media uh, case that I mentioned has, is going up to Supreme Court. It, it, it's wholly unconstitutional. It's the last thing I could think you would want. I mean, conservatives can say they don't feel like they get you know a fair shake when it comes to content moderation. I think actual statistics would push back on that. I don't really think that's really the reality. But even if you believe that's the case, handing the government full control of social media is not how you would address that. And I think it's very naive and short-sighted to think if you set that precedent that it would somehow help conservatives in the long run and not create even more encroachment on their ideas and their speech um, down the road. So I, again, I think it's wrong on a, on a principle constitutional basis. I also think it is ridiculous and very short-sighted And lacks wisdom of history and the nature of big government to think that that would actually get the end goals.
0: Damn, she's on fire. That's Hannah Cox joining us live right now on the phone. (laughs) She's got a lot to say on this issue. We're talking to her about uh, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida and his campaign for president of the United States and his record uh, as governor. now, all of these things that you listed, Hannah, I agree with you on. You and I, uh, policy-wise, we are pretty much in in damn near total agreement. I might quibble with you about content moderation and it favoring the left. Uh, and I think that Elon Musk, you know, dropping the Twitter files really, you know, is probably my my ace in the hole on that issue. But I'd like to move on to another topic related to this, which is the question of why Ron DeSantis has not done well in the Republican primary, because let's admit, Hannah, that I you know I I you probably don't consider yourself a Republican I do but within the bounds of the Republican party you and I are probably in the minority on the view probably most Republicans agree with Ron DeSantis's authoritarian stances on these cultural issues using government to punish uh, our ideological enemies so why hasn't he performed better in the Republican Party? If he if these if you and I are in the minority, if I mean, it's probably not because of the things that you listed that he's not doing so well in the Republican primary, or maybe it is. What do you think?
5: You know, I've never worked electoral politics often. I'm going to take off my professional hat and just speak as the average American right now and what I've sort of experienced in watching this whole thing go down. I call myself a gettable Republican, right? Like, I, I'm not really a Republican. I'm not a supporter. There's very few current leaders in the GOP that I really like and attracted to. But if they were to put Forsay say a Rand Paul, like I'd be first in line to go support that guy, right? Like absolutely. So I think with DeSantis, you had some people like me who were hopeful. They want an alternative to Trump. I think the vast majority of people really would like to see something besides Trump. They recognize that it's a very risky bet to have him as the front runner. And and I think most people just want to get back to, you know, respectability politics to some degree. They don't want the weirdness going on anymore and they want some of the same things Trump brought to the table. So people were hopeful DeSantis could be that. He seemed like a lighter version of Trump, a more rational, sane, sort of normy version of Trump. And um, I think the reason it's not played is that once they entered the national sphere, he had not done, he wasn't very tried and tested. You know, he'd been in Congress, he was unknown there, he'd been in Florida, he got really a lot of, you know, attention during COVID. But let's remember what was happening. He didn't have to travel, he didn't have to be around people. Basically, his team could create an image for him behind closed doors. And he was notorious for refusing to speak with the media, kicking the media out of his meetings. I mean, this was not somebody who, you know, had been proven to be like a media darling or to necessarily performed very well in those settings. So I think that that was to his detriment once they actually tried to move on to this next level for him. He didn't have the experience. He's not a naturally charismatic guy. He's very awkward, actually, in the things I've seen. Um, They've made a lot of missteps and you you can't just blame him for that. He has a whole team of people around him, but just the way they've tried to market him and present him has not been that relatable. It's not really been anything that I think people can grab onto. And I think the biggest problem of all is that when Trump is still around, you're not really going to pull much of his diehard base away from him by simply pretending to be another version of Trump. You know, you just come off across as like a knockoff version. And then on top of that, because he's trying to play to Trump's base, it turns off people like me who don't want to see Trump, who want to see far more limited government, far more free market capitalism, far more consistency on those issues. So I, I think he got in there not really knowing who he was. Right. You can't run against Trump while also refusing to criticize Trump because you don't want to make Trump's people mad. But packaging yourself as another Trump. It just doesn't make sense at all. Um, and so I think he's just found himself as, like, really lacking a base. Were Trump not around, then maybe he could pick those people up. But Trump has a cult around him. And the thing about cults is they don't deflect from their leaders that easily.
0: What do you think about Vivek Ramaswamy?
5: Well, you know, I know you're a fan, Austin. You know, I think he will make a great media pundit. <laughs> <is my> current <laughs> take. I think he's got hilarious, quippy lines. He's quick on his toes. He's very funny. Um, I think he's definitely the most charismatic of the folks that are running around out there right now. And he's he's entertaining. He's clearly a smart guy. I think with with him, the main criticism I'd have is, you know, when somebody goes from never having worked in politics, not having really done, you know, paid their dues or, or been around public policy decision making, and then they start running for president. The problem is that They don't really have that deep of a bench of knowledge when it comes to public policy. So he's got some good instincts. You know, I think I think that you're correct in saying he might he might have the instincts that are closest in alignment to our ideology and way of thinking. But he also has some very weird policies that flow from that that haven't really been fleshed out, that don't always make a lot of sense, that don't really seem to be that practical. And I think that that's his main, you know, Achilles heel at the moment, if you will. Um, That's not something that couldn't be gained with time. But in order to sort of overcome that, that lack of knowledge, you have to have a lot of money, you have to have a lot of charisma, a lot of name recognition. That's why Trump was able to get away with what he was able to get away with. I just don't think this guy is is positioned in the same way.
0: Do you think that DeSantis makes a mistake by debating Gavin Newsom tonight?
5: Yeah, you know, the thing with Gavin Newsom, I was actually talking to my parents about this recently. I'm not convinced he's not running, first and foremost. I, I still think this, uh, this poll has the Democrats running scared. That shows how badly Biden's doing compared to Trump in and, and key states and with, with really interesting demographics. So I still think we could see a situation where Gavin gets in. I think he's been quietly sort of doing some things on the scenes that incline me to think he will run. Um, that being said, this, people forget Newsom's very charismatic. This is a good looking young guy. He is very media tested. He's very good on his toes. And, you know, I think you and I and my parents tend to think, well, everybody knows California has been run into the, the gutter by this guy. No, they don't. Your average American doesn't know who the vice president is. They have no clue what California's record is. And he's going to be able to get up there and say, California has the fifth largest GDP in the world, right? I mean, he's and that's, and that's not untrue. He's going to be able to train things in such a way where it looks like they've been massively successful. He's going to be able to tout um, the death record in Florida yeah. under COVID versus California, which again is is largely due to you know the amount of elderly people who lived in Florida. But again, your average American doesn't know how to reframe these things or think through them. So I think he's going to have a lot of tools in his arsenal to work with. And I just think he's going to be much more likable on that stage. I think he's going to have a better understanding of how to play to the average American out there. And I think DeSantis is setting himself up. Um, I just don't think he's got the chops to to look good in this situation.
0: Yeah, it, it feels like uh, uh, he's feeling insecure because Donald Trump won't debate him. So he's just looking to grab, you know, grab at straws, essentially. And I think Gavin Newsom is sitting there, you know, on the sidelines, you know, licking his chops, just saying – You know, this is my big chance. Whereas DeSantis, he's got a lot more to lose tonight. Um, But Hannah, you're always on point, always smart. You're the co-founder of BasedPolitics.com. Is there anything else that you think that people should know, or anything you'd like to plug before we let you go?
5: Well, I'd love for people to check us out. We're Based-Politics.com. We're doing all kinds of content. We're constantly trying to keep people informed on the public policies going on behind the scenes and help people understand how to apply the principles they believe in to the actual policies floating around. So. We'd love to connect with people. Good to be with you as always, Austin. Appreciate everything you
0: do. Thank you very much, Hannah Cox. We appreciate your time today. You have a wonderful day, and keep up the good work with Brad. Have a wonderful day. Let's give it up for Hannah Cox. What do you guys think? Send us a text at 573-319-1586. Again, you can text the show anytime, night or day, at uh, 573-319-1586. Let's hear your thoughts on what's happening in the world today. The Wake Up America show today has had an absolutely tremendous cast of characters from Courtney Mill, pro DeSantis Camp, Camelia Peterson, pro Liberty Camp, and Hannah Cox, not a big fan of Ron DeSantis, (laughs) as you can see. The Wake Up America show is brought to you in part by Founding Flavors Coffee over at apforlibertyshop.com. I want to highly recommend today that you go ahead and get your orders in if you want to get it by Christmas, because I know a lot of you are interested in gifting this to your family members. I spoke to my buddy Brian the other day. Brian Parson gave me a call, and he bought seven boxes for him and his family members to share around Christmas time. The lovely packages will make a beautiful gift for anyone in your life who loves coffee and who loves the Founding Fathers and loves America. You can get it at ap4libertyshop.com. And here's the deal. You do get a discount that stacks. So the more boxes you buy, the more you save. Once you buy, uh, the maximum discount, I believe, goes up to 12% on your order. Of course, the margin that we make, profit margin that we make on coffee is very small. Uh, So you can get up to a 12% discount uh, on however many bags you buy. If you buy, I believe it's either four or five bags or more. I'll have to double check. But check out our website at apforlibertyshop.com because not only do we have an amazing coffee brand for you, for coffee lovers, but we've also got a lot of great gifts. Yesterday, I actually, I don't know if I can pull this off. Uh, Can I actually, yes I can. So yesterday I actually made a new item in the store, which I think a lot of people will really enjoy. If you've got a libertarian in your life, say your husband or your wife, and you know that they're uh, a libertarian, check out this new product that I made yesterday. Take a look at this. This is a candle called Smells Like Killdozer. The gentle and comforting scent of an armored Komatsu bulldozer, um, AP4LibertyShop.com. Those of you who know the story about Marvin Heemeyer's Killdozer, you can get these smells like Killdozer candles exclusively at AP4LibertyShop.com. And no, it doesn't smell like hydraulic fluid and oil and gunpowder or anything like that. Sorry to disappoint Mm -hmm. for those of you who are like, uh, you know. It actually smells nice. We've got three three flavors, three smells: comfort, spice, sea breeze, and vanilla bean. And remember that that price does include shipping, so you don't have to worry about it. That is the the price that you see is the price that you get. Get your smells like Killdozer candles at AP, the number four AP Four Liberty Shop dot com that's ap the number four ap for liberty shop the big ass
4: marble statues of fucking abe lincoln yeah the Congress who carved it the congress buildings who built it they never say that they never say like oh the statue of liberty they They say it was a gift from france okay so okay so france carved a giant copper statue which nobody could probably replicate right and shipped it over to the u.s and for what that doesn't even make sense. why do we, we deserve
1: <laughs> oh, what if was <laughs> yeah. so
4: i'm saying like,
1: really
4: like <laughs> i'm saying like what if america has a much longer history than we know and this it's not what we're told that it is oh no yeah by any so means much. i mean yeah it's just weird it's
0: these are the kind of people who call henry kissinger a warmonger <laughs> These are probably you know what they are they're probably libertarians. They're probably the only real libertarians. They're the people who have been attacking me for the last few weeks uh about the Israel Gaza conflict, right? These are the real libertarians. They've been listening they've been reading antiwar.com and Howard Zinn's History of America. Um yeah, you know, I think uh I think our, we're in trouble. I think that the American educational system has really turned us into a nation of sheep, a bunch of idiots. I, I mean, the thing about Henry Kissinger that I liked that Camellia said is, you know, why are we celebrating the death of someone? I think that it's be- probably because most people just don't understand or are ignorant about the legacy of this person. It's not to say that I think that uh, everything that he did was all great or that he was a really great guy or a perfect person, but I really appreciate the views of Rick Holden, who is uh, texting this morning, saying perhaps the reason people hated Henry Kissinger so much is because he refused to moralize foreign policy. Think about that. The reason why people hated him so much is because he refused to moralize foreign policy. He refused weaponized empathy, which is so common today in causes like Ukraine and against Israel. Brilliant point of view here. He refused weaponized empathy which is common today in causes like Ukraine and against Israel. Weaponized empathy. Relations between states aren't and never will be personal. What do you think about that? Fascinating stuff. I just uh, feel conflicted about uh, the death of Henry Kissinger. I see some good, I see some bad, but I... Cannot deny that he was a great man who had a massive impact in global affairs. How big of an impact will his critics make? Probably none. Hmm. What are your thoughts? Don't forget, you can text the show anytime Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. Central time is when the show is live. But I listen and check the text. Usually I didn't last night, but usually I was working or doing karate last night. Usually, uh, even in the evenings, when I'm writing the show. So if you've got news stories or ideas or things that you think, guests that you think that we should have on, again, you can always text me at five seven three three one nine one five eight six. That's five seven three three one nine one five eight six. Thank you to Maggie, eighteen seventy four, Guapo Local, Clementine. We know that's you, Diug. Corey and Callie says that's sad music. Yes, it is. Kermode Bear says, Wait, we have an education system? I thought it was an indoctrination system, or at best, a publicly funded babysitter service. Ooh, very good. Hey, Kermode Bear, we didn't get your thoughts earlier on the story about the, um, the gay furries who hacked into the uh, nuclear information systems. Wonder what your thoughts of that were. Quest Fanning says, Was Andrew Johnson a jerk? That was the impression I got from AP, U.S. government. Yeah, he's always consistently at the bottom of U.S. presidents. Will Run Riot, nice to see you today. BIPOC doing racism. Hey, BIPOC, it's great to see you, man. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's been great to see you coming in and commenting and being a part of our community. We appreciate you. Floby Tenderson, he's my Vivek man. What's up, Floby? You rock. You rock. Corey and Callie, my lovely wife, Stephanie Peterson. Nice to see you. Robbie Theremin as well. Quantum Kitty says, thank you for the great show and drops a couple dollars in the tip jar. Thank you, Quantum. You rock. We appreciate Levin214 as well. I know Levin has not been extremely happy about some of the things we've been saying this morning, but I appreciate your point of view. Quantum Kitty says, Hannah and Brad are great. I've watched them from before BP. Nice to know loco loco quest fanning dropped a couple dollars in the tip jar as well he says i prefer elected officials to not make their entire career off the of public dime few years in office and get your work done plenty of excellent examples when experienced as an equal do good at the job good point very good point uh barney styles we appreciate you for joining us as well brindle bear you rock we appreciate our bears who join us here all on the show real actual live bears and of course cj824 as well andy opperman was here with us too said didn't kissinger say senior?" citizens. were mostly useless eaters. Fringe. Fringe. (laughs) Thank you, Maggie, 1874. We appreciate you very much. We hope we'll see you back here again tomorrow. It's Freedom Family Friday, which means my smoking hot redheaded libertarian wife, Stephanie Peterson, will be joining us here on the show. We can't wait to see Steffi. It's her beautiful face. I like to kiss it. We'll see you here tomorrow on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com.